Well, today is Sunday. That's good. We're here on the right day. Um, but this is not the Sabbath. How do you like that? Watch out. The whole denominations have shot off over that topic. Um, the Sabbath in the Jewish Jewish practice and Jewish history, the since Genesis, God makes everything, and then He says, "It says then there was night and there was day." So they count the night as the start of the day. Okay, so the day begins at sunset, and then that's whatever day of the week it is, and that goes all day long, all through the night. Night comes first, then daytime all day long, and then the sun goes down, and the sun goes down at the end of the day, literally, because as soon as the sun is down, it's the next day. So that's why when I was a kid, you'd look at the calendar, and it would have these Jewish holidays, and it would say, begins at sunset, and I would ask my mom, and I would be so confused. So which day is it? Is it on this day, or is it on... And I mean, we didn't celebrate or anything, you know. You're just a kid looking at the calendar. And, um, and I was totally confused. I spent a, long, a large part of my life confused about that. More than anybody should. But, so that's why um, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week. It's the day God rested, and it starts on Friday night. And so Friday night, Friday afternoon, some good Orthodox Jewish people would be getting ready for the Sabbath and they would get all their food ready that they're going to eat for the next day so they don't have to do any work at eating it. They would um, do whatever other chores or things that they would do on Friday afternoon. And then when the sun sets, that begins the Sabbath. And you eat the big feast that you've been preparing all afternoon and you have a big party and you all get together and da-da-da-da-da. And then the next day you wake up and you don't do anything. And it's exactly what an ideal Saturday should be, right? And you sit around and the idea is that you reflect on the Lord and you look at all that the Lord has done and that's all day, the Sabbath, Saturday. And then at sunset on the the day after the Sabbath, which would be Saturday night, then you can go back to working and doing things and all that business. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died during the day on Friday, right? They put him in the tomb, and then sunset came. So that was the second day. That whole Saturday goes by. Saturday night begins the end of the Sabbath, which is the third day. So first day was the day he died. Second day was all day Saturday. Third day was Sunday. They couldn't go to the tomb at night. You just don't do that. And then Sunday morning, they go on the third day to the tomb. So you can see how this this kind of Sabbath thinking is really, really foreign to us, and it takes a big big leap to get there. There's a whole bunch of other things about the Sabbath that we totally don't think about. And a bunch of it is really important to this section of Mark. There's a a law about the Sabbath day that you could only walk so many steps. And the the way the whole thing worked, whenever they talk about Sabbath laws in the Gospels, there was what God gave to Moses that was the Levitical law, 
that's all through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, where you get the law about the Sabbath. And then a couple hundred years go by, a thousand years go by, and everybody rebels against God, and they don't recognize the Sabbath, and they follow idolatry, and the Babylonian captivity happens, and they drag everybody off, and they kill a whole bunch of people, and they go to Babylon for 70 years, and you have the book of Daniel, and Jeremiah predicted it, Daniel read it, saw it was almost over, they all repent. Babylonian captivity is over, they all come back, and it's Ezra and Nehemiah. They rebuild the city, and after that, nowhere in the scriptures do you see the Jewish people bowing down to the Baals or the Ishtars or the Ashtaroths or all the things that the prophets talk about. They never struggled with idolatry again because they learned their lesson from the Babylonian captivity when they were getting hauled off to Babylon. So while they're in Babylon, all the Jewish, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're like, this can never happen again. We, we cannot let this happen. So we're going to write some laws. You know, we've got the law. Let's say this, this pulpit is the set of laws given to Moses. We're going to make more laws to build a fence around this to protect it so that if you don't even break any of those laws, you won't even get close to breaking the laws of Moses. Okay, so they put up a second barrier. That second barrier is what the Pharisees are always talking about when Jesus is breaking the law. So Jesus never sinned. So when they talk about Jesus, if you say Jesus never sinned, but here the Pharisees saying he broke this law, he broke that law, he broke this law. The law he's breaking is not the law of Moses, but it's this outer fence that the Pharisees made up during the Babylonian captivity that he's breaking, okay? That fence of extra laws included over 1,500 laws just about the Sabbath day. So think about that for a minute. You thought it was hard to follow the 613 laws of Moses? which is, you know, all the stuff about mildew and mold and you can't wear linen and cotton on the same day and, you know, all that business. This is an extra set, okay? One of the things in that extra set, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, they had a number of steps that you were allowed to go away from home on the Sabbath. Because the Levitical law is that you shouldn't travel on the Sabbath. You, you shouldn't travel. You shouldn't go, go to far places. Well, why? Because God wanted you to be, be still and rest on the Sabbath. Reflect on the Lord. Not go real far to try to do business. Not go real far to try to claim some great name for yourself. Just stay home and chill and reflect on the Lord. And so they saw that and they said, okay, we need to be really clear about this. So you can only take... I'm going to make up a number because I forget what the number was. You don't, but it was small. It was like 3,000 steps. You can only go 3,000 steps away from your house on the Sabbath. And then they said, well, what if you don't have a house? And you just have property. They said, okay, you can't go, you can only go 3,000 steps away from your land on the Sabbath. They're like, okay. So some guys found a way around this. True story. They got a jar you go out and you get a jar of your land and you wear it around your neck 
And now you can go anywhere, and you're always within 3,000 steps of your land. Seriously, they did that. So they made this fence of laws to protect people from the real laws, and then they found loopholes in the imperfect... Uh, Remember, in the Psalms, it says God's law is perfect, right? It didn't need improvement. It didn't need revision. These guys improved and revised it and made up all kinds of extra stuff. Uh, if you go to New York City and you go to Brooklyn, and where it's the largest Jewish population in the world, there are markers on the street showing if you live in this neighborhood, you're about to go too far. You're about to leave the mark. So... What do you do? You put up a synagogue in there so on the Sabbath day you can get there. You put up a grocery store there so on the, on the Sabbath day you can get to the grocery store in time. I mean, they, they find all kinds of ways around it. So there's another rule. There's rules about which kinds of knots you can tie because um, the, the Levitical law was that you can't build things so you can't construct things. And there's some knots that when you tie that knot, you've constructed something. So on this fence of guarding people from the law, they've regulated which knots are work and which knots are not. That was a joke. But So they've, they've regulated what kind of knots you can tie. They've regulated what kinds of foods you can eat because some foods are work to get them. You know, if uh, kind of like a fajita. You know how you have to put a fajita together. You're assembling it. That's work. So they're really policing down to the nitty gritty about what you can do on the Sabbath, what kind of work you can do. One time we lived in a neighborhood and I was reading about this and studying about the Sabbath and it, I saw how many steps it was and I had an afternoon free. I said, I'm just going to figure this out. So I went out and I walked and I counted like 3,000 steps, whatever crazy thing it was. And it was basically your neighborhood. If you just think of, think of you know, Eight, eight to ten blocks in every direction is what you have to stay close to. Which isn't really that bad if you start to think through it. You know, what if for one day a week I did just stick around in my neighborhood? What if for one day a week I deliberately didn't travel to do business and do commerce, but I just had to stick around close to my house? That's not bad. So the other thing I want to emphasize on this is that even though all these rules and things sound crazy, God's original intent was really good. God's intent is good. It's the additional stuff that has made it bad, that has made kind of these laws bad. So, here we go. At the end of Mark 2, these guys are walking along. Mark 2.23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, as they made their way, and his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So, however this scenario plays out, what the landscape looks like, I, I don't know. How many people are following along behind Jesus? But they're cutting through a grain field while they're going from city to city. There's enough people there with them to make this obvious. And there are actually Pharisees following them, going along with them, watching what they do. Now the flip of this is, this has to be 
within walking distance of these guys' house unless they've got the jar of dirt around their neck. Because otherwise they're walking too far. And that's not the thing that they got on Jesus for. They didn't say, you've walked too far. So they might even be close to, close to their homes. But it's work harvesting grain, right? You have to pick the grain. You have to thresh it. You have to separate it. And that's what they're doing. They're doing the work of harvesting grain. Even though, I mean, it says they're just walking through. They pick it up. They, they're just plucking it. So the other cool thing about this, this is not stealing. It was totally legal in, in their time to go through anybody's field and just pick some for yourself and glean it and eat it. Pretty cool, right? That was kind of how they did part of their tithe. They kind of considered that as an offering to the Lord. You, whenever you would harvest, this is where they talk about this in the book of Ruth. Whenever you harvest a field, you don't harvest every single little bat, bit out of it. You leave some, and you leave that so that orphans and widows and illegal aliens can all come and eat some of that. You're providing for them. And so you don't have to be efficient when you, when you harvest, which is like, why would you deliberately be inefficient nowadays, right? That would just be so, don't tell Pioneer or any of the, the crop companies, we want to be deliberately inefficient to feed all these other people. So they're walking along, they're eating and they're picking and they're, they're harvesting, they're preparing and they're eating it. And they say, what are you doing? You guys, you're breaking the, breaking the Sabbath. This is not lawful. So Jesus really tries to convince him. And he says, have you never read? Which is totally offensive to those guys, right? It'd be like if uh, you said something, I said, oh, you, haven't you ever been to church before? Listen. You're like, what? That's what he's saying to them. Oh, do you, have you guys read the Bible? It says... When David did, when he was in need and he was hungry, this is in verse 25, he and those that were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. There's a whole bunch of controversy in here that I'm not going to talk about, which is really fun if you track it down, is that Jesus got his story wrong. That it wasn't Abiathar the priest. Abiathar was the priest that was the last one surviving after the other guy gave David bread. bread uh, David lied to that priest and said, I have all my men, but it was really only David. Remember all this? And then the guy gave David the sword, and then David left with Goliath's sword. What's great about all that is that Jesus is talking about it from the way they interpreted it at the time, from what they thought about that whole scene and how they talked about it. And, um, and you can look more into that, and it's just it really makes you love Jesus even more. That there's times where Jesus focused on the parts of the story that they, that the scribes and the Pharisees focused on, even though it wasn't the main part of the story when we read it that we focus on. He was just reaching out to them. He's really trying to reach these guys. 
The other thing that's exciting is that when David went and did that, this example that Jesus is giving, haven't you guys read when David went and he ate the bread of presence that's only lawful for the priests to eat? What was David doing at that time? He was fleeing from Saul. This is like the day, two days after he's, Jonathan has done the whole shoot the arrow thing and he said, run and flee. David's on the run and he's going to his secret place to grow. All, the very next thing that happens is all these 600 men that had debt and were, were felons all drew to David. So David is assembling his men when this happens to prepare to become the new king. And so Jesus has given them this little secret hint. He's like, oh guys, don't you remember how David did this thing when he was going to a secret place to assemble his men to usher in a new kingdom? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm on my way to a secret place to train my men to usher in a new kingdom. So he gives like the little side story in the midst of justifying the bread. Yeah, the Holy Spirit just came in the door back there. The whole door swung open. Swung shut. Uh, so he's, he's giving them a hint. There's more going on here than breaking the Sabbath. There's a new kingdom coming. The other thing that's happening is, remember, these guys are the same ones that said, how can he forgive sin? Only God has power to forgive sin. The other thing they thought at this time was that the Sabbath was the very presence of God. They, they put such a big deal on There's a, a book on the Sabbath by a Jewish guy that's really popular among Christians, but it takes some discernment to read it because he's still Jewish. He's still, he doesn't really understand how the Messiah is coming. But he says in there that the Sabbath is like the presence of God among you. So that's what a... I mean, the, way, the guy talks about the Sabbath almost like it's the Messiah. And so when Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, I am, I am so powerful, I even have power over whatever you conceive, whatever your thought of the kingdom of heaven is, whatever your thought of the Messiah is, I even rule over that. I'm, I'm such, such a ruler. And then he says this whole thing about the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's the thing about all the laws. All the laws of, of Moses were not made so that man could follow them. They were made so that man could enjoy life. They, they were a gift to man not a shackle onto a man. So a gift to man is don't eat pork because it's super nasty and it's not good for you. Don't eat shellfish. It's utterly questionable. If there's mildew in your house, look, it's never going to go away. Just tear the house down and build a new house. That, it's so wild to read through Leviticus and, and read through Deuteronomy with the perspective of the law is here to help you out. There's all sorts of out-of-the-camp jokes that we say at our house that you're, you're put out of the camp. 
All of that is a gift. All of that is a gift from God. The whole, the whole law is. So if Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, what is he? He's the Lord over all, all of God's gifts to us. He controls that and he's the, he's the top notch of them. Okay, immediately another example comes up. Mark 3. Again, Jesus enters the synagogue. What is he doing? He is deliberately forcing these guys to realize he is the king of the law. And the law is not a shackle. The law is something that he's come to free them from. The curse of the law. I think I've talked about this before. The, the, yellow line on the, the yellow line on the highway has no power. I can easily just roll right over that, right? The, the power that that line has is the punishment that comes on me if I cross that line. That I get punished. We were fishing yesterday and the DNR conservation officer guy shows up. And man, I'll tell you what, I don't do anything wrong. It's not worth it. I follow the letter. I did my research to find out if my boats had to have this kind of license or that kind of license. I have this net that I'm casting. I did my research to see if I could do a cast net in a state park. I mean, I follow this stuff. Every one, every, even adults have to wear life vests around me. I mean, I follow the, I fast two days a week. I follow the law. I was still tense when the DNR guy came up. <laughs> and I just started making jokes. I got to become his be- I have like 17 seconds to become his best friend or I- I'm going to jail. Why is that? What in the world? Because the punishment, the punishment is what's in the power there, right? If it was illegal for me to cast net in Lincoln State Park Lake, like the real way it should work is I should get that net and I should throw it and there should just be a force field that my net hits and it falls on the beach and says, this is illegal, right? No, the, the, the fear is in the punishment if I break the law. So Jesus is saying, I've come and I'm removing punishment. I'm removing punishment for the law. The law isn't bad. It was a gift to you to help you enjoy life with God. But the punishment thing got so emphasized and so you got you started building fences and wearing dirt around your neck. You got so carried away about the punishment. Okay, we're going to take away the punishment so you can just live wholly for God, with God. And so Jesus deliberately goes into a synagogue to tell them this again. Enters the synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. Don't you just want to say, come on, guys. Don't we care about this poor dude in his hand? Just This is what happens when you get so wrapped up in what you think. You get so wrapped up in your, your own thinking that you don't even care about people that are hurting. And you just bulldoze right over them. So they don't even, nobody's given this guy help with his withered hand. Instead, they're watching Jesus so they can bust him. They might accuse him. They want to accuse Jesus of something. So Jesus, 
no, totally knows what's going on, walks into the trap. He said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, so he looks at the Pharisees, Jesus is really reaching out to these guys. He said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? And they, it says they were silent. They don't know what to say. Because all they know is, we have got to catch you. We have got to accuse you of something. And we are desperate to find something to accuse you. Guess what? Bad news. One of the main names for the devil in the scriptures is the accuser. The one who accuses. That's what his name in Job, when when. He accuses Job. That's what the Hebrew words are. The accuser came before God and, and, and God said, what have you been doing, accuser? And he says, I've been going around the earth and in and out of it. The accuser. These guys are walking in the spirit of the accuser, of the blamer, of the finger pointer. They're not walking in healing. They're not walking in help and care and service. All the list of the, of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. All of those, none of those include accusing. And these guys are so blind in their desire to accuse Jesus, they don't even help this guy. And so then when they're asked a question, is it, which is better? It's really, I mean, this is like first grade Sunday school question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? Like, it's such a stupid question, you don't even know how, you gotta, there's gotta be more to this. Because, of course, it's not lawful to do harm. To save life or to kill. But they were silent. There were rules in the Sabbath, Levitical, in the Levitical Sabbath laws, that if your cow fell off a bridge into a ditch, you could do everything it took to rescue that cow. So you can walk too far. You can tie whatever knots you want. Uh, there was a certain amount of weight that you couldn't lift on the Sabbath. But man, if your cow fell in a ditch, you could lift as much as you needed to. All the Sabbath laws went aside if you need to save that cow. So here's a guy with a withered hand. It says, is it good to save life or to kill? They were silent. Jesus, this is Mark 3, 5. He looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Wow. Jesus was a fully man. He was in perfect unity with God, and God gave him equality with himself. But Jesus felt emotions. He was mad. He was so perturbed at these guys that they were so hard-hearted that they just wanted to catch it. They couldn't even answer a question, is it good to be save life on the Sabbath? He's so mad at them. But then he's grieved. If he didn't care for them, he wouldn't be grieved. Right? He'd just punch them in the face or something. Oh, you make me so mad. But he's grieved. He really wants them to turn. But that's not going to stop him. That's another awesome thing. Just because he's mad, just because these guys don't deserve to be in his presence another second, he's still going.
going to do what he's going to do. He says to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. So this guy was known enough that everybody knew that he had a withered hand. You know, it's just everybody knew that he had it. And Jesus said, hey, come here. And everybody's there on the Sabbath. And they're like, look, Billy. That teacher just called Billy over to him. What's he going to do? And he says, stretch out your hand. He stretches out his hand and everybody can see it. It's healed. It's better. And the number one thing these guys want to do in their rage and in their hard-heartedness is to run out, get the Herodians. The Herodians are Gentile political leaders. We're going, to get, we're going to go political on this. We're going to call the police. We're going to call in the government and plan on how to destroy Jesus. They're so enraged. Again, these guys, they valued the Sabbath so highly that they completely missed out on the people involved. Imagine what party happened at that guy's house when he went home that day, right? Would you not just like everybody in town want to give that guy a high five because his hand is restored? What is that going to do to his entire family? His hand is restored. He can work now. He can participate in things now that he wasn't able to participate in before. Jesus has just radically changed this guy's life. And just because it was on the Sabbath, everybody wants, all these guys want to kill him. So, the Sabbath, it's awesome. It's great. It is a day of restoring and resting, relying on God, recognizing that God created everything recognizing that everything good in the whole world came from God. And what is the best way to do that? Well, think that through for a minute. The best way to do that is to eat a whole bunch of really good stuff, right? And depend on Jesus. You know, they're walking along the field with Jesus and Jesus says, hey guys, let's have a snack here. They're obeying God's direct command. Let's eat. What could be better on the Sabbath to have the thing that's hindering your entire work life, a withered hand, restored, rebuilt, remade. That is like the ultimate act of the Sabbath, right? And they missed, they missed that too. In all of that, there's warning to us, right? Anytime they talk about, seriously, anytime they talk about the Pharisees, be warned. Because we could easily become Pharisees. Uh, I was talking to Isaac the other day and we were just talking about driving and he he has no desire to start driving. He's 17. He's like, I, I don't want to drive. And we were kind of talking that through and I realized the one moment during the week that I completely lose my religion is when I drive. I don't accuse people. I don't talk bad about anybody. I really try to avoid gossip. But man, if you're an idiot pulling out in front of me the wrong way, I'm going to tell you that you are even though you can't hear me, right? And I'm just like, gosh. And it, it got to me. 
And I mean, I was even doing it this morning now that I'm talking about it. I was like, man, I wonder, just saying, what if Isaac doesn't want to drive because his dad is such a jerk when he drives? There could be some reality to that, right? The way we view laws, the way we view these motivations and these things, the truth comes out, right? The guy that has to get up early and make the donuts does not seem like a happy, you know, like seriously, I don't know why that was a successful ad campaign. That guy was not happy to get up and make donuts, right? Why would I want to eat them if he's so miserable getting up to bake them? When we talk about the God's law, when we read Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, when we see Jesus talking about the law, remember, it was wonderful. It was awesome. Psalm 19 talks about your law is like honey. Like they, they used to teach um, when boys would be memorizing the scriptures, they would put honey on their little frame that it was written on so that they could wipe their hands down the side and eat honey while they were memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. While you're memorizing the law, you're just eating honey. That's how sweet and good it was. It was so, so in all of this, remember, these guys are mad that Jesus is breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus is bringing back to say, it is so good, you guys. The Sabbath, you got the Sabbath all wrong. It's not burden. It's not law. It's not accuse. It's not about looking for accusations. See, those guys thought that if we could get everybody in Israel to follow the whole law for one day, then the next day the Messiah will return Rome will be overthrown. It'll be perfection forever. And so if I see you breaking the law, the Messiah is not going to come back tomorrow and it's your fault. And so that's why it's intense that we follow the law. And so, like I said, it's warning to us that we would become Pharisees, that we would become accusers that person isn't doing right. That person's breaking the law. You aren't living right. And here's Jesus trying to say, hey, the law is awesome. And I'm the boss of it. Don't, don't use the thing that I'm the boss of to work for my enemy, the accuser. Use the thing that I'm the boss of to show off my works, to show off what I do, to show off my creation and my, my desire for love for you guys. So, the law. From here, we're going to move on to a totally different thing. We're going to talk about totally different stuff that Jesus does, and I'm not going to start on it today. But I want us to take away from this that, gosh, there's some way that the law is good and Jesus is the boss of it. And it was given to us for our enjoyment, not to give us power to accuse. All right? Let's pray. Lord, you are good and you are wonderful. 
And we just exalt you, Lord, for saving us and rescuing us from the punishment of breaking the law because that was never the point. And we praise you, Lord, for putting your spirit in us that we could live out what the fulfillment of the law is, and that is closeness and oneness and life in you. And I pray that you would just amplify that in us, that we would really appreciate it, that you would help us to not work for the accuser and help us to walk in the life and the liberty that you gave the Sabbath for, the reflection and the rebuilding that you created it for. Thank you, Lord. Amen.